Welcome to Noclip. I'm Chad Roman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Tannick. And today we're going to be talking about Overwatch. Overwatch was a game that was released in 2016, developed and published by Blizzard Entertainment, and uh, is a first-person shooter. How do you guys think about that? Uh, I, uh, it's like also, the game? Or the, the, which part? <laughs> it's also on PC, and PlayStation 4, and Xbox. <laughs> it's true, it is on those things. I have, like, not done that in so long, <laughs> unless it's, like, only on one thing. Interesting. Yeah. Like, whenever we I have, like, a, a game that's on multiple platforms, I always forget to say it for some reason. Good. Anyway, I've played a lot of this game. How much have you played this game? I assume you checked before the cast. I didn't check. God now damn it. Now that you're saying I probably should have checked. If I had to guess on PC, I would say probably like 700 hours, maybe a little bit more. Well, how much Overwatch have you played? A hush falls over the cast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dark moment. Why is this a dark moment? Have you played more than him or something? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no. Why <laughs> He's like a, a Harry Potter time turner. Like, <laughs> he's just been playing Overwatch for like years consecutively. <laughs> what year is it? I was just trying to manipulate the tone of the cast oh. to try and turn it into like a self-help situation. Oh, because oh, you don't want me to play as much Overwatch? No, no, I just mostly wanted to embarrass you on the internet. But, but, I think I've played probably 100 hours between uh, both the PC and the PS4 version, so. Yeah, PS4, I'm like level 27 now, so like, what does that even add up to? Like... Probably like 10 to 15 hours, something like that. Yeah, nothing crazy. Chump change. <laughs> In comparison. Yeah, chump change, similar to the change that comprises Andy Kennick's playtime. Yeah, probably about like 10 hours. Okay. So, this actually begs a question, just like a general question. Yes. Um, in that, like, why is it that I find a game that's like 20 hours long to be like a long game? But when a game consists of doing the same thing over and over again, I'll play it in just forever, apparently. Because <laughs> it's uh, not the same thing. Yeah, it has to do with the, the gameplay mechanics. I think it's that and also friendship. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. When I'm, okay. when I'm yeah. playing like, a single-player game for 20 hours, that like by definition means that I'm sitting alone doing that thing for like 20 hours, whereas... With Overwatch, I'm socializing yeah. in uh, the 21st century version of what socializing means. Yes. Which means Discord. <laughs> like, it has to do a lot with the gameplay as well, though. Because I noticed, like, while playing Zelda this past week, I've, I, I, I would have guessed that I've played it around 50 hours, but then I checked my Switch last night, and I've played it for over 70. Yeah. And, like, with most open-world games, by the time I hit, like, the 70-hour mark, I'm like... Okay, I'm gonna put this down, and I don't even want to think about it for like, <laughs> a couple of months. And like with Zelda, it's not like that, right? Yeah. So I guess yeah, because so like some I mechanics, enjoy, can, yeah, it's can like get the mechanical playing yeah. again. Yeah, and specifically, as generalized with most shooters, the sort of thing that having an actual human being as an opponent brings to the table. They, the design is very very different for any sort of online competitive games, and something we've only addressed on the cast like a handful of times, but being able to have another dude who could be one of, like, 
24 different things right. face off against you in a game and different combinations of things and different positions all over the map. No, no game is ever going to be literally identical, even probably even remotely identical, because human beings just bring that much diversity to any sort of shooter they engage in. True, there's, there's a, a, an aspect of sort of infinite variety when you have other people controlling the, the inputs. Yeah, and it's also the fact that like each match is only like however many minutes. I think seven, so, seven and a half on average yeah. during the beta. I googled this because I was curious. Yeah, yeah. It, like, there's always that mentality of like, oh, just one more. <laughs> just just one more game. I believe that and 10 then, minutes you know, like is, the, is the maximum allowable time. If defense wins, but the attack gets to like whatever the final objective is, then the match will last for exactly 10 minutes. Um, one thing that we should note probably, actually, as we're going into this sort of design of, of a multiplayer game, uh, we've never talked about like a, a live online game before. I, I don't buy live because we have Splatoon. Right, we played. Okay, we talked about Splatoon. We talked about Splatoon. Actually, Splatoon is an amazing touch point. Yeah. If for some reason you heard our first ever episode <laughs> in October of 2015, you know that we what we I guess are probably going to end up doing is just talking about the actual design of this game because discussing like the meta game or like. The idea of like hero interplay outside of that realm, like as they stand now, is something that one is going to be obsolete. Like as we record this podcast right now, there's some really significant changes to Lucio going through on the PTR, which is he's one of the most like impactful heroes in the entire game. Yeah, and he's getting major changes to him. So anything that we said even right now, would become totally <laughs> irrelevant in a couple of weeks' time. Because the numbers are mostly determined by interplays between those numbers, and they get tweaked constantly. But the intent of most of the heroes is pretty static in terms of the direction that they want them to play. Some would say even sort of stubbornly static in the case of heroes like Sombra, yeah. or like player <laughs> perception of what the heroes are supposed to do run up against what the developers intended the heroes to do so hard. Yeah, of all of the... Develop like all of, of all the changes that they've made over the year. This game's been out, and there's been a lot of them. And yes. this is probably going to end up being the first point that I want to actually address. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> they really have only changed the way that a hero feels to play, maybe once or twice, and even then, it's sort of like this sort of intangible, abstract idea of what it felt like to play Symmetra before and after the change. Uh, so for yeah, for the most part, just kind of numbers tweaks. Yeah. yeah. So what we're I guess we're trying to tell you why you like this game, not how to play <laughs> this game better. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, what I was alluding to earlier is, uh, and this is, I want to say it's fairly common in games nowadays, but uh, or in shooter games and in, in multiplayer games, but. I think that it's still unique enough to call it almost like a Blizzard trademark, but this game is uh, undergoing patches on literally a bi-weekly basis. Like, almost every two weeks this game gets updated. And that seems to me, and you guys can weigh in on if I am just being... Uh, An old man. Yeah, or just not used sensitive. To the but, like, that seems like a crazy amount of, of development. And like work that they put into like just making this game change constantly. 
that's what loot boxes allow you to get. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone shits on loot boxes constantly. And depending upon their implementation, it can be justified. But situations like that where you have a game, even a game that's released for like full retail price, but has some other continuous revenue stream among all people who continually own it, allows them to do crazy things like have constant development cycles and dedicate whole sections of the company permanently to working and maintaining this thing for like years like similar to most other things that blizzard does who knows what the like the longest term plan for this is right like like, it always seems like with any blizzard product that they're always looking to perpetuate it like into the indefinite future like until as far as you can think they want their game to still be played at that time well, that's the, it's like yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe of video games, where they have it planned out to like twenty thirty. Like they have like a, like a whiteboard in their office. Yeah, and hopefully they have some kind of a like Big Bang situation planned, where at the end of all of their plans, like eventually Blizzard will universe. just like yeah, they'll just launch the the drones out, and everyone will be everyone will become actual characters in WoW. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, this game does have to be making like a ludicrous amount of money for them to be able to do that. Well, like assuming Blizzard's pool, which is probably, like, I'm not like the CTO or CFO or whatever of uh, <laughs> of Blizzard. I imagine that like the pool of of cash, and I mean that literally, the swimming pool full of hundreds that Blizzard has <laughs> in in their offices, uh, probably spans the development of all of their games. Um, which what like cause WoW by itself probably brings in like I don't know like one bazillion dollars <laughs> a month like something like that yeah if people paying sixty bucks up front plus fifteen dollars a month for subscription fees they probably had lots to fund the Overwatch project during development and then <laughs> can draw from that if there was an issue right. uh, yeah. later on yeah and me not being like. Have, having anywhere close to, like, a fraction of the amount of time spent with these types of games as you. Like, what in the game, like, needs that kind of, like, constant updating? Like, is, like I understand, like, they have to, like, <laughs> balance things and, like, new issues pop up because that's just the nature of this kind of game. But, mm-hmm. like, to have, like, a patch every, like, other week seems like a, like an excessive amount. Like... When Chad mentioned earlier when we're talking about like some of the changes to things like Symmetra where he said like this character feels different to play. Right. Even when you watch like the official videos put out by Jeff to try and explain like justifications for these certain changes and patches. I noticed lead developer Jeff Kaplan. JJ's not <laughs> on a first name basis with him. I, I actually push back on this. I think Jeff is on a first name basis with everybody. He, oh yeah, he's like uh they're like oh god, I can't even there's not an analog for that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay, so that's okay. who Jeff is when okay. he mentioned it. Yeah. I was just not gonna ask. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but when you watch these updates, you get the sense that even they, the people at Blizzard, the people who have these like crazy long-term projections for everything that they do, who funnel their 
pools full of cash into all of their projects and polish the shit out of everything that they do after looking to just innovate on like the most successful ideas from other companies. Even they sort of treat things like balancing and the metagame as the sort of squishy, amorphous thing that they're constantly looking to update and don't have like a solid long-term plan. Like, to use your metaphor before, I don't think there's like, there isn't a whiteboard somewhere somewhere in Blizzard, where they're like, we're going to make this change, then that change, then this change, then that change. It's amorphous because the game, like most shooters, with especially class-based shooters with this many interacting mechanics, are so complicated that it's almost unpredictable for them to know every implication of every change they make. And that's why multiplayer games that are reaching the sort of complexity of competitive shooters like these constantly go through these patch cycles. At least uh, the best sort of games go through patch cycles for this reason. Because they will make a change, and then a couple weeks later will be like, oh, I didn't realize it would cause this to happen and turn the game into this, and they keep doing it. This is often expressed through the things Chad was talking about, like through metagames, to one extent or another. Well, the, the, the numbers will just happen to work out in the crazy formula that is Overwatch, that like this competitive season, the thing everyone has to do is like sneak a Reaper into the back of someone else's team and then hit it with a nano boost and turn it into like a Beyblade of Death. But this season, everything that you do is this. And that constantly changes and people get like more or less happy with that. So it leads to these like constant two week cycles of like minor tweaks where they try and put, put the game closer and closer to whatever like vague feeling of like this is good that they want <laughs> yeah and we can't ignore the esports angle either in that right. in that kind of a situation because when you put out a multiplayer mode in a game that doesn't that has a non-multiplayer component to it as well uh you can kind of just like put it out there and let it sit because the life like the 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 half-life of your game uh, let's say it's Half-Life. The Half-Life of Half-Life. No, uh, <laughs> the Half-Life of a general, like, uh, uh, $60 AAA game that comes out isn't really that long, especially if you're expecting people to buy it more for the campaign. Yeah. Uh, like, Black Ops 2 was not a project in the way Overwatch is. Right. Like, they wouldn't... Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that because it's possible. I know Call of Duty is huge. No, 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 that's in, not like, what I mean. By project, I mean, like one thing that we're iterating on for 10 years. My right. point is that like Black, in Black Ops 2, they they can just release this one version with like only minor comparatively tweaks because there's going to be Black Ops 3. Right, yeah, and a year from that. Yeah, point. yeah, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, whereas Overwatch, which stands purely on its, its multiplayer uh, and is propped up a lot by the competitive scene in terms of how people perceive the game and how people who are not current players of the game are convinced to become players of the game. Uh, a lot of that fits within like Blizzard's general business model, and they and they would like to propel like propel that as much as they can. And the balance changes and things help keep that like that version of the meta fresh and interesting for the people who are playing it, and therefore the people who are watching it. And so like constantly changing numbers like that is just a way to to keep people interested in the game plus keep it not fucking broken right 
Which, I, I, if somebody happens to listen to this like a year from now, hopefully this will end up being like more nostalgic of a statement than it is right now. <laughs> but as somebody who almost like who plays a lot of Anna, I miss season two and three so much. <laughs> like, because <laughs> the Beyblade thing he was talking about was this whole fucking. And this is like the the really like cool thing about having a game with these like MOBA elements where there are 24 characters to pick from mm-hmm. where someone was like you know it would be cool the attack that deals like a bunch of AOE damage at once have that attack power doubled his speed doubled and then just send him into a ball <laughs> and it was <laughs> they were like do that for a while and that was just fantastic and then they rein everybody in it makes my life terrible. Sensing yeah. <laughs> the resentment there. Yeah, sort of similar to that angle that Chad was talking about. Uh, other, the, the, the approaches that you can have vary a lot based on what your goals are, but oftentimes in these games, things get so complicated that they just make these like vague field decisions, and the less sort of prestigious way people will sometimes do it, depending on their intent, is that they'll make balance changes to intentionally try and shift the metagame. Like, they'll they'll put out something new just because the developers want to make the game change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and comparatively speaking, that can lead you down sort of a dark road in competitive games. But, but actually, I, I kind of want to... Because I've, I've heard tons of opinions from people in the Overwatch community. Uh, I'm, this is just like a thought experiment at this point. Okay. Andy, <laughs> as somebody who is not like crazy invested <clears throat> in like what how the game is played and like who's playing it and all that shit right i'm wondering if you just saw a game okay and uh you like watched it and you heard that one of the characters in that game had a near 100% pick rate so of 24 characters this one was omnipresent okay as a developer, would you want to change that and make him more, like, less played by everybody? It's a really broad question, Chad. Uh, I'm specifically <laughs> asking <laughs> because of the changes to Lucio, because he is a must-pick, like, everyone always picks him. And I'm just, like, wondering, because the, the, in the community, the general idea is you're making the best hero in the game slightly less the best hero in the game, and that is concerning people, but I also see it from the angle of, like, if this, like, there is a level of, like, I would like to see a different sixth hero, occasionally. (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, my initial reaction would be that I would want to balance it so that he's not just the best hero. Right. That would be... (laughs) Well, it sort of depends on... on if you're framing it that way. And what you mean by best, right? Because you could hypothetically have mandatory picks in in competitive atmospheres that aren't even, like... For, and then again, this is getting into the, like, amorphous definitions and weird angles right. that you're trying to have in balancing. But you could have characters that don't even feel particularly powerful that are just mandatory for whatever design reasons. Like, you were into TF2 a bunch also back in the day. Yeah. And... I, I was which, like, isn't which medic like a me, mandatory pick? Uh, well, yeah, because otherwise you don't have healing. Right, right, right. Would you say the fact that they designed it that way made the medic the best hero? Well, here's the thing. The problem with that, and well, actually, the problem, and then also the direct comparison that I think functions here, is that you pick the medic because he's the only 
class of nine that can heal. Lucio is one of 24 heroes and one of five that can heal, but he's the only one who can, like, change a character's speed. Yeah. And that is the reason that he's a must-pick, but... Uh, the amount of winning that you do when you are under the effects of speed boost is ludicrously unbalanced from, like, any other possible, like, circumstance. Yeah. And it seems like Blizzard really strives to, like, get as close to, like, perfect balancing in this game. So it seems like him being just, like, the he- go-to healer for, like, competitive play is a balance issue. Yeah, yeah. And they Blizzard runs into problems like these all the all the time where you you are have to choose what scenarios to balance for. Uh, like obviously in the highest tiers of competitive play, Lucio is mandatory, but it's not for the vast majority of people who play this game. Like and the and they do make balanced decisions based on things that have nothing to do with competitive play. I'd argue a lot of the changes to Diva that they've made was because of the way that she was perceived in like average games and not even anything to do with like actual optimized play. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with that decision either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, it's a, it's a, it's the and that's just part of these balance changes. I apologize to bring it to something that was so like relevant to the current time. Uh, but I think it speaks to the like larger point of of the way that they they introduce these changes. Yeah, I think it's a, a fair question for development because you can have from a de- when it comes to design, like it becomes interesting questions when you have mandatory compositions based on a whole bunch of different things. Like in if you're comparing it to an RPG, which may seem weird, but I'll explain. Like in a something second. like Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, something like Pokemon or like even like a Final Fantasy. Uh, where you have, like, variable party composition. To some extent, there are some things that, or at least some roles that are, like, absolutely mandatory within that framework. Right. And and in the earliest games, when there was less variety among the people who could fill those roles, you could have people who are like, it's mandatory that you have this character and this character <laughs> and this type of character all together at the same time, and they're all equally interdependent. Mm. Like, you know, in old MMOs, like, you need this healer, you need this tank. Right. You need, yeah, to do, like, to fulfill specific uh, roles. I find it's interesting in Overwatch for me, um, when I think about it, because there's a... There's a real focus, especially in these all these balance changes, on healers, because they tried something that I think is, like, genuinely pretty... Uh, pretty admirable where they attempted to make all of the healers fun to play so that people would play a healer (laughs) ever (laughs) then it it became a thing where the healing in the game is so good because of the way that this game plays it's moderately slow paced for a shooter like a lot of competitive shooters are the kind of thing where people can die in one hit whereas there really isn't a whole lot of room for that in Overwatch. Thank God. Yep. Uh, So healing ends up being really powerful, but then in order to make the healers fun to play, they also gave them all these other abilities. And so the healers end up with so many things. So there was a while where like the, uh, the like healer, the competitive healer setup was mercy plus one, which was usually Lucio. And then it became Anna and Lucio. And then there was Anna plus one during triple tank, and then we end up with uh, <laughs> currently just Anna Lucio again, and now they're nerfing Anna, and so who knows what's going to happen. But 
it ends up with these... The healers end up being, like, the strongest heroes in the game from a team organization standpoint. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you need the role. Yeah, and so they just keep having to change them constantly. <laughs> like, the numbers on Mercy have been going up consistently since the game released. Every time that she's been changed, her numbers have gone up because she has to now compete with the healers that can do things other than healing, which is kind of her whole shtick, yeah. is j being the healer, just a healer. <laughs> <laughs> the helper person. Yeah. yeah. They generally, and I'm curious how much... Uh, you agree or disagree with this statement, because I don't know actually how much you ever experimented in terms of just, like, dicking around with other people, Andy, mm -hmm. but... Uh, oh, in his college days, you know, he would... <laughs> 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 but clearly, and they have not been subtle about this. Their goal is, we want a hero for everybody. We want to design a hero for anyone that likes any aesthetic. We want to design a hero for anyone that likes any kind of gameplay that even vaguely resembles a thing you could do in a shooter. Which is weird because they could have gotten 97% of their player base with just Genji, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, as with many Blizzard things, and excellent even more in Overwatch because they went for the whole like Pixar aesthetic. They cast the widest net they possibly could <laughs> among people who played games. Yeah. I, in fact, I don't even know how you could extend Overwatch's... I don't know what you could add to Overwatch that would increase its appeal to more people. Not, not, not on, like, average. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, even if it cost making the game less fun for some people, I don't know what you could do to Overwatch, assuming it's still a shooter that would make it more fun for more people. Right. I mean, obviously, I don't know the answer to that either because I would not even thought about it. And that's impressive, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. most games, you can always pick to some sort of, like, trade-off point on that narrowing down to make the game better for certain people versus making it have a wider audience. Right. But they, as far as I can tell, have truly maximized with all yeah. of their time, money, and animation. It's really impressive, too, that they've managed to make it so diverse without making it feel, like, pandery. Like, it's not like... Oh, look how inclusive we are. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it really works. And I think that the game also gets somewhat of a pass for being made in America, uh, simply because it would seem a little bit pandery if the American hero was just a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in uh, any other circumstance, but I think that Blizzard pulled it off, and I never really batted an eye at McCree until he got his... American flag cape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have even like. A, I guess it. I guess it makes total sense that he's American, but I never even thought about it. Yeah. But they have so many heroes that like aren't even exclusive. Like seventy six is pretty fucking American. That's true. And seventy six, like the design goal for seventy six was pretty clear. <laughs> from like the moment that if anyone said his name they were like, what is our soldier, our character soldier seventy six going to do? Mm -hmm. And they were like. Uh, like really? <laughs> He's gonna have an assault rifle with a with like a a barrel mounted grenade launcher, <laughs> and he'll be able to sprint. Yeah, I'm amazed that Soldier Seventy Six can't like aim down the sights, like pull the gun up for yeah. like a better shot. <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm sure there was that was certainly tested many times. So I don't know the specific reason. But the, the thing that they keep doing with the aesthetic to, like, bring that wider appeal is that they've created, like, cyberpunk Pixar 
and a setting where they, you somehow they've just made it acceptable that literally anything, as long as it's cyberpunk and Pixar, can be there. So even if they introduce characters that, out of context when you discuss them, seem hilariously pandery and stupid, like D.Va, a right. professional like StarCraft player who had learned to drive like battle mechs, they... Have it's she still fits just enough in the setting that it's okay. It's just cartoony enough that you right. don't question it as much. It's that consistency in the art style. Yeah, and even and when tone. when they pick like old tropes, like a fucking samurai archer, they just give him robot legs, and that suddenly fits <laughs> in. Yeah, I was just that's because that's what I was gonna bring up. Is I was just like, a like Hanzo is just like a dude. <laughs> Like, I don't... He's not really cyberpunk, but then I remember... Yeah. It's robot likes. It, it, it is something that I didn't notice for, like, quite a while, actually, is a lot of the heroes have robotic appendages <laughs> or parts to them. Yeah. Like, I was, like, in between games, it'll put you on the menu screen, and it'll have, like, a hero up. Yeah. And, like, it was McCree was there, and I was like... Does he have, like, artificial organs? Because he's got, like, that thing around his waist with, like, tubes going in. Like, I didn't even notice that before. Like, you realize that he had the robot arm. Yeah. But he has, like, straight up, like, a carburetor strapped to his chest. It's like, is, got, is it armor or is it, like, something else? He's yeah, like a Darth like, Vader life Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, is he, like, are they all cyborgs? <laughs> they, just, they just haven't told us. <laughs> It's there. cyberpunk. Everyone's a little cyborg. Yeah. It's it's a part of what makes the setting work. Yeah. You have varying degrees. Is there anyone that's zero percent robot-y? There's so fucking many that you can't just list them off in your head one at a time. Well, I mean, like, Diva is just uh, yeah, a okay. girl. She's but she's a in a mech. Are we, yeah, are we sure that she doesn't have, like, Matrix-style... Like, she has, like, a brain implant that lets her control the mech or something? No, no, like no. A like, specific well, like, a, fucking like, she has, like, like, a human like... plug-in port. Like a human <laughs> USB. <Yeah. laughs> It doesn't seem like it because she ejects from it by, like, flying up in the air and doing a somersault. <laughs> True. So, and, then, like, and when she's outside of the mech, she dies really quickly, too. Right. Maybe she's the only regular human. Yeah. We can establish that 150 HP is the Overwatch standard human HP. Well, we can kind of make that assumption, but I would, I would say it's probably closer to 200, because, like... Uh, okay, Zarya, I guess maybe not a standard human, considering she can... I guess, like, bench press the world. But, <laughs> but, like, Zarya has 200 health and then 200 shields, so presumably that 200 health is, like, her health. She gets 50 from the muscles. She, okay, she gets 50 <laughs> from the muscles? Yeah. So, like, McCree gets 50... Well, if McCree had, like, a like a an iron lung <laughs> strapped to him or whatever it is that he has... I imagine that would be even more fragile, and he should have, like, 105 HP. Not in the future it's not fragile. You're bringing oh, yeah. in one Iron Lung in, in reality right now. Yeah. When Iron Lung, I believe, only is just that huge metal tube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's not what it is. It's very fragile. <laughs> My point is that in the future, we haven't reached... You have to think that in, in, in the Overwatch time... Our robotic appendages aren't like shitty substitutes like they are now. They're, They're just, just better. better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is, nicer. this is like this is like Star Trek shit. Yeah. Do like the, how Data is yeah. like super strong. Yeah. He's got a better arm. He doesn't have like a substitute arm. Okay. <laughs> so 150 is regular person HP, but 
everyone is just more than a regular person. Except, yeah. 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 They're, I mean, they're Makes basically sense. superheroes. They yeah. are. They're, they're called heroes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it really, I think a good comparison is it really leads into like a comic book kind of tone. Yep. Where yeah. like, or you have something like Winston, who is like a talking gorilla scientist. <laughs> What's and, it, and it's like a very comic book kind of thing, and, yeah. it, and it works. The thing about Winston and comics, in conjunction, weirdly, uh, is that I feel like, because they have started releasing comics as like a part of the regular like lore updates in Overwatch. Yeah. And Winston seems such a natural fit, and it's because of things like Gorilla Grodd. Yeah, he's straight up... Inspired by Gorilla Grodd. And I'm so amazed at how well he plays in 3D space. Because, like, that's the kind of thing that you see in a comic and you're like, if they tried to, like, put that in, like, a movie, it would look so stupid. <laughs> like, well, some kind of, like, weird gorilla just fucking walking around talking to people. <laughs> but Winston looks so good. Yeah, but it's because he was designed as a 3D model. Yeah. And because their animation, like, abilities are unbelievable by video game standards. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is mean, true. The co- Pixar comparison is a really apt one because like if you especially if you watch like the the short films that they've done, it, it's that it, professional level of animation. That's actually what got me interested in the game initially, which I'm sure was part of the, the grand blizzard plan pre coming this game existing. But uh, I the only thing I knew about it, and I learned about it back in the days when I was still super into Super Monday Night Combat, so this was like prime audience material, that there was going to be like a class-based first-person shooter that also had like super diverse cast, futuristic sci-fi setting, kind of like pseudo-campy, really fun tone, and made by Blizzard. Uh, my, my, nothing gameplay-wise had been shown yet, but all they, the first thing that they showed was fucking tracer like running around uh in a museum doing it was just like a tiny movie that, that's all it yeah, was yeah the one with the, her and winston and the doom fist and those two boys yeah, yeah that yeah. one <laughs> the broken arm kid mm-hmm. broken arm. everyone's yeah. <laughs> spray yeah well yeah they, the, the appeal to this this game for me initially wasn't had nothing to do with its game it just had everything with it to do being like a Pixar movie. Yeah. Yeah, that is even, one of the two animated shorts that I have seen. Yeah. So. It even <laughs> it has a plot, a basic plot that's similar to The Incredibles. So, <laughs> <laughs> Especially if that kid ends up becoming Doomfist. That would totally be... <laughs> <laughs> But she didn't, uh, she didn't, like, she was nice to him. Yeah. She didn't tell him to go home. Yeah. <laughs> you can't help me. I don't know if you guys had, had more to say on the aesthetics, because there is a ton oh, you could always say about the that's aesthetics That's probably, of this game. like, what I could talk the most about. And go for it. I'll, I'll choke down the other thing I have related to the plot for the next half. All right. You're putting me on the spot now, JJ. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I obviously have a lot more to say about uh, the actual design of the levels. I think that, aesthetically speaking, uh, like, the actual maps that you play on have... There is an incredible attention to detail, even more so than just, like, in the attack respawn, where you have to spend a bunch of time, so they put, like, all kinds of shit in there, and mm-hmm. everyone just shoots it with a gun. Because uh, <laughs> you haven't an ammo in this game, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like the actual like going just going from place to place and, and they expect you to pick up on these things and like kind of understand the way that the world 
functions. Uh, and I think that that's just really, that's admirable from the standpoint of, of somebody who came from, like, old shooters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you like, like, I don't, I don't even know what country fucking D.E. Dust 2 <laughs> was in. <laughs> just, like, nondescript Middle Eastern country. But, like, every single map in Overwatch has, like, a sense of place in a way that, like, doesn't exist in 90% of other shooters. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of environmental storytelling. Yeah. I think it's important to pick up that all of the storytelling that they attempt to do uh, is always either dis- purely descriptive of where you are now or retrospective. Uh, like, everything that they try and design the, the characters and the settings around is trying to inform you about where they're at now and who they were. But there isn't... Calling it a story, I, I still think is sort of weird because it, it saying story suggests a sense of progression that doesn't really exist. It's backstory. Yeah, yeah. Like, like things don't develop in Overwatch. There's no, at least yet, there hasn't been any like true character development to anyone involved. Uh, I mean, they, they've okay. Character development might be pushing it. They've added some like voice lines that like hint at some sense of like them now knowing each other or something. But the, with the addition of things like uh, like Oriza and the character of, of Ify and whatever, that's just where we are now in the game, mm-hmm. whenever they introduce a new character, like Sombra, they sort of backfilled. Like, they were like, Sombra's been around the whole time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, and Anna, they actually just, they just put in voice lines. They're like, we thought you were dead. It's like, well, okay. Uh, but... Arise is the first one to really sort of advance the story of the game because it actually changed one of the maps that we're playing in. Arise is like presumably supposed to be new, like yeah. just built. Overwatch, the video game, in its nebulous time <laughs> flux that it exists in, <laughs> yeah. had been going on when. Ariza was constructed. But I think it's important to point out that characters like Ariza and a lot of the new characters they're presumably going to keep introducing for the foreseeable future yeah. will always be, at least so far has always been, narrative staples to the side of an existing property. <laughs> Ariza wasn't like created by Winston after like something terrible happened to Tracer as a way to like protect her from harm. Right. Ariza's existence has nothing to do with anything else that had been going on with the characters on Overwatch. It's there's an arguable like link to the Doomfist stuff, but I think the vast majority of people for example, Andy, what's yes. the Doomfist? I am um, it's like the Infinity Gauntlet, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It's one of the things that you have to escort from point A to point B in one of the maps. What who cares about the Doomfist? Oh god, like the the evil characters. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't I know sure if like, you were going for like there's like a character which... that uses it, right? Not in like that game it belongs currently. to. No, is there like a but... Thanos? There's a suggestion that, that there might the be a character Fist? named Doomfist later okay. who might exist later. But the point is that it's not like it's not even like a MacGuffin. Like it's descriptively like it could be a MacGuffin if there was a story and development happening. Right. But it, it's just like an artifact that exists in the world. Now your point stands, and I wasn't even really attempting to argue that. Just the fact that they seem like they might be pushing in that direction to try and expand the universe and maybe roll time forward a little bit yeah. within the existence of the game. Because yeah. currently the game just exists in a constant... Like, if you were to... If you sat down and were like, 
I'm gonna get the narrative of this game. And then you went into a game and you were like, and every time that you, you did like a Nuzlocke run <laughs> of an Overwatch game, and every time you died, you switched heroes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, everyone died. <laughs> the credits roll. Like, <laughs> that would be the whole thing. Uh, I, I feel as though they might be trying to expand upon that in the future. Yeah, it's like they had all like the pre like released like short films that they put out and like all of that's just like backstory and lead up to like where the game takes place. Right. And then it's never progressed no. past that. I don't point. think they ever needed to progress. No, but it's like it does kind of feel like they're setting it up to progress. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's the just, hook, right? Yeah, and then it they're just trying doesn't. to pull you in to Overwatch. Yeah. yeah. The hook is Roadhog's shift ability. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it de- they definitely, like, it's definitely, like, intriguing. Like, is somebody who's not even close to as into the game as you guys, like, I want to know the plot of Overwatch. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know what the characters are doing. Yeah. Because the characters that they've spent so much goddamn time designing and refining... There's someone in there that you care about. Right. There's just too many people designed to hit too many angles in this game for you to have for you to not like a single person right. in Overwatch. Curious, was that the uh, the plot point that you wanted to hit earlier? I could. I there's a there's like a progression, but I'm worried that we're running up on the break, and I feel like there's enough of a separation between the two things. We're totally running up on that break. Do you want to like leap off the edge of the break? All right. Here we go. Leave it off the edge of the break. No, Chad. No, Chad. 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 No, no, Chad. Ah! <laughs> Look at the waveform. <laughs> it's like a wall. Oh no. I didn't I didn't realize you started the podcast. Yep. <coughs> it's back. It is. Is it back? I need I need your confirmation that it's back. <laughs> way too much lean. I'll turn this podcast around. Oh no. Oh, oh there's so much instability you're introducing uh, into the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. So, uh. <laughs> I mean, this is our most sensual of introductions. <laughs> no one break. listening will ever know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just hear you guys panic. <laughs> and then my voice slightly louder than normal. So. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, I was gonna do a thing. Okay. I have a thing that I do want to get into, but I I felt like I would offer you the courtesy of finishing your point before I do. This game constantly tries to present itself in something that I don't know the real term for, so I'm just going to call it characterization by omission. I've noticed a thing that's starting to become like a growing trend in video games recently. Breath of the Wild does it a whole lot, and I'm sure we'll discuss it when we get to that episode. What I mean by design by omission uh, is you create a character with a strong visual style that signals lots of things about a trope related to the character. So much that you can try and make, you are able to make tons and tons of easy assumptions and fill in the gaps of that character based on things that you see around them and things that you've already been exposed to. Uh, this is the thing that I also think that Fire Emblem Awakening ended up doing really well, but in sort of a different, different style. It's much more extreme in the case of Overwatch and it's getting more extreme in lots of games in the future. And well, what is being omitted there uh, is any actual explicit narrative characterization. Like, they, when the further you look 
into the characters of Overwatch and lots of other things that use this design trend, the less you're actually going to find out about them as people beyond the tropes and assumptions that you yourself made when you looked at them. And that's not, that doesn't mean necessarily to be a criticism. It depends on the goal of the property. In an Overwatch's case, you're looking to play a shooter where there's not going to be a whole lot of narrative going on ever. It's just a, a justification to have all these crazy, super-powered people punch each other, <laughs> which is generally enough. But, like, I... What matters to me when I'm playing the game and what Blizzard wants to matter to me is that I can fill in the gaps in these stories about who these characters are. Like, I know enough about generally what Zenyatta does that I can think, like, oh, if he interacts with this person, he'd act like that. And they just use that instead of ever actually putting in, like, long descriptions about the interactions between the characters. Mm -hmm. All they get to do is they, they can have, like, a quip back and forth with one another, and that's enough for you to create the stories in your head about what's going on. Yeah, that's... I don't know. That's, there's probably a name, like a like an actual trope name for this kind of design, right. or a trope name. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's relying on the audience's like knowledge of pop culture to like do the bulk of the work. Yeah. But then lots of people do that, but they they generally supplement it with stuff. Right. Like they generally use it as like assumptions, and then they fill it in after that to help mm. you just bridge the gap and understand the character initially. But it, it seems like more and more games are doing this thing where they just go, why do we need to fill in anything ourselves after that? Like It's comparatively a risky proposition when every individual who plays the game can each for themselves just fill in and create the best version of any character mm -hmm. that they're playing. Plus, like, if you get attached to a character, as we discussed before, like, finding that character that is, that you most like their personality or whatever, having, like, explicit text describing them could potentially break that immersion mm -hmm. with them. Like, right. if you just suddenly discovered that what like your favorite character was like a pedophile? You'd be like, <laughs> oh come on, Blizzard! <laughs> it's you know it's like a coloring book, right? It yeah. gives you a really strong picture of what it looks like, and then you fill in the details. Man, did I not see where that metaphor was going <laughs> until the end? <laughs> um, yeah, you're allowed to put some of your own personality in there. Yeah. And I initially like bounced off of this really hard when I started playing it. Uh, once the game actually came out and started existing, because I really wasn't in the market at the time when I went through like the betas for like another shooter that I could get super into with the mechanic set, so I was really just hooked in by like the unanswered questions that all of the characters present, like who are these people, what are they doing, and the game itself gives no shits about like any progressive narrative at all. Mm -hmm. It's you know it was just sort of the thing where I went in and was like, oh, these are all just justifications to have cyber people punch each other in cool ways, uh, <laughs> while a fourteen-year-old yells at me for being bad. Right. Uh, well, I get the impression that Blizzard does totally care about wh who the characters are and how they're perceived by the community. Right. The perception of right. the characters. They, they, but uh, do you think that they have a narrative like? written and they just like like they don't know how they plan to roll it out but they plan to like actually put it out in pieces i'm gonna take a hard future. stand on no on this one i think 
And my reason to that... Because it seemed like there's so much pre-production on it that they would, like, actually have a story. They had an advantage in their pre-production. I I don't know if you, Andy, are aware of this or have heard us talking about it once before, but Overwatch was built from the remains of, like, the one... MMO. Yeah, the one big failure in in Blizzard's history, which was Titan, an attempt to try and make a follow-up to World of Warcraft. Right. So they had a lot of, like, pre-setting work... In, in, like, vague place. They changed a billion things for Overwatch. People right. generally exaggerate the amount that they, they, like, just straight lifted from Titan, but uh, they had a, a general sense. Still, but all, like, the animated shorts, though. Yeah. The shorts and the comics are the kind of thing that, like, sort of make me want to lean one way or the other, but because it like, ends up being, like, me not caring at, like, an <laughs> yeah. amazing level. Because, like... <laughs> The short films don't use, like, in-game assets. Like, this is true. That's all yeah, original all animated, animation. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I feel like you don't put that kind of money into that. <laughs> if you don't have If a you plan. don't actually have a plan for yeah, it. Yeah, it would be cool. <laughs> if we spent, like, $3 million <laughs> animating a six-minute short about a woman sneaking into a Russian facility. Like, I feel like they have to have, like, a vague outline of a story. But it reduces their freedom in the future. Because part of what they do when, like, introducing new characters at, into Overwatch is look to fill gaps that have nothing to do with the narrative. Like, Orisa exists explicitly because they were like, we want another character like Reinhardt, who's sort of, like, an anchor by which other people can, like, move forward in the game. So they designed a character by, like, messing around with Zarya and, like, a bunch of different existing abilities that they had to try and make someone who filled that role. And then they designed what the character would be around that role and other, like, different needs. Like, let's make her kind of African-themed because we don't have an Africa person yet in the game who really fits with that sort of setting that we have already existing. If Suggesting that they have a long-term narrative would have to presume that that narrative would have to ignore the existence of all whatever future heroes that they can't necessarily predict are going to exist one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be like a like how we described um, how they treat the gameplay, where it's like in a, a squishy, amorphous thing that they can change. Like they have like a basic plot line that mm. they can plug new shit into. But I think the reason that they're shorts. And the reason that they're explicitly, like, short films is that every narrative of those shorts, at least again so far, has been completely contained within themselves. They're all tiny stories about, like, one to three of the existing characters in the game interacting. And as of yet, there hasn't been a hint that anything more is going to go beyond than what already exists. I'm interesting... I mean, it would be interesting if they would try, but in the same way that they design each individual character by omission, it seems like an unnecessary risk and expenditure when instead they could put that energy toward filling in and designing more characters on the very few gaps that they seem to have left or creating more badass shorts where they have existing people interacting and like tiny stories of what they're going to do. Like the vast majority of characters in the game right now don't actually have even shorts or things that they were doing. Right. Like the... Where Bastion, like Bastion's initial short, came out long after the game ever released. Right. And I think that they're just using those as tools again to. They're like. We've, we've used this multiple times recently, which is weird, but they're like tiny little Saturday morning cartoons that give you hints of the kind of people that interact with them. But I don't. 
I don't see them going on like a straight narrative arc. I don't think they're going to have like an event that's like the return of the Omnic Crisis or something like <laughs> yeah. that. A great comparison for this is TF2. Right. I don't see them going the TF2 like living world route, if that's a good word for it. I honestly didn't even know that was a thing in TF2, and I played 1,700 hours of that game. You didn't know TF2 had like a plot? You didn't? Oh my god. No, I didn't. You live a different life. I, I knew that if you equipped the boxing gloves, uh, Whenever you got a kill, your next hit would be a critical hit. <laughs> Good facts. <laughs> Solid facts. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I thought I was going to do this. You said you, you don't actually know what Overwatch is? Like, in, like the, in the, the organization? Yeah. Overwatch? No, not at all. Okay. I, I know that, like, based solely on voice lines, I know, like, uh, Jack Morrison was, like, the leader of Overwatch and Winston tried to take it over. But that's mostly from, like, the cinematic that plays when you start the game and, like, uh, Soldier 76 at one point being like, bring back Overwatch, huh? <laughs> and I was like, I'm putting this together. I'm figuring you out, Overwatch. Don't you worry. Uh, but I never did the research. I don't know. I know more about Maze character thanks to the Eco Point Antarctica map than I do about, like, anything else in the game. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So I like the aesthetic design. I like the fact that they add these details to the game. But, uh, all in all, I like a, I like a good shoot, shooting a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very eloquently yeah. said. <laughs> uh, almost as eloquent as... The actual like mechanical design of this video game. <laughs> That's true. One of the things that I was going to uh, to talk about. And this is this is something that I've heard. I think in the first time that I had heard it. Um, by no means does this mean this was the first time that it had been done. Mm -hmm. uh, was in relation to Team Fortress Two, but as you're talking about the design of the characters and this idea of like looking at the character allows you to make some assumptions about who they are as people. Mm -hmm. Also, the silhouetting and the uh, like design of the characters does an amazing job in this game, more so than probably any other shooter that I've played, of letting you know what that character is capable of, even if you aren't familiar with it. Like, for me, the thing that took me the longest to figure out, and I mean, I still figured it out in the first, like, five or so hours is knowing about Zarya's charge level. Yeah. And the reason is because I didn't play Zarya. Yeah. Because I just it took me a long time to get into that character. Um, they actually they discussed that at like they try very hard for lots of good reasons to make that signaling as explicit as they can. And in the early days they were worried that Zarya wasn't actually explicit enough in being able to signal the like that charge mechanic that's so important to her. Yeah, like her whole kit basically. <laughs> uh yeah, but even then they do. They make her, like, glow like she's uber-charged in TF2 when she has full uh, when she has full charge or close to it. And you need as much of that as possible when you're dealing with, like, you know, two dozen heroes who all have, like, three to four different things that they can do at any given time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The amount of, uh, of variety... And this is, this is where that... Um, uh, that that MOBA design sense comes in, and that was a big thing that they said. Like when they were designing this game, they drew a lot from from MOBA games, and uh, it, it 
there's there's a lot of things that we've already talked about that I kind of want to rope into that sort of uh, this like discussion catamari that is happening right now. Uh, (laughs) Because with the MOBA design, you have the idea of having all of these characters and like a very flexible roster, um, but they put it in this way more accessible package of a first-person shooter and like a, a pretty tanky first-person shooter in terms of like how long engagements last, um, and in this this team-based, class-based thing. So, whereas in, in a MOBA, and they even did like a, a jokey arcade mode brawl a while ago called Mobile Watch where you weren't allowed to change heroes. And I feel like that is like a great piece of design where they are like, here's what our game would be like if you couldn't change heroes, which is a great way to drive the importance of counterpicking to people who are, who are just starting the game. Um, so that's like one thing they, they didn't take from it. But the idea of like having to know a hundred or so different possible things that any given person can do at a time is made so much easier by that visual design. Yeah. It's like you kind of expect a robot ninja to be able to move around really quickly and in unexpected Lock ways. bullets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, bu- yeah the deflect like, is you, really... You automatically know what's happening like right. when you see that. Yeah, like, if you see, like, the sword go crazy in front of you, you're not like, is he dancing? Like, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's no part of that that is confusing to a player. And that's one of the biggest traps that, like, heavily futuristic, mechanics-based competitive shooters can fall into, because people quit when they die and don't know why. So that would be with Battlefield 1. Yeah. Uh, but that was because I couldn't see anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and because yeah. I was been playing this game where you don't die instantly every eight seconds. Yep. I say, like, this was one of those rare games where... Like Banjo-Kazooie or Goldeneye? N- no, not <laughs> rare rare games, Chad. <laughs> one of those rare games where, like, like, the level of, like, the quality is so high, like, with the mechanical and the technical side meeting, like, the art and design side and how well they work together, mm-hmm. like, it's just incredibly impressive yeah and the fact that it it made it easier it makes the way that those elements combine makes the game easier to get into initially and then makes it easier to play as well Mm -hmm. and and that is sort of what uh what makes this game work at at like the level that it's working at because any any game that's this complex can draw people for the highest ends of play but a game that's this complex, but then also this accessible, it's, is what sells 10 million copies. It's kind of like Smash Brothers. Exa- yeah. yeah. Like, there's a level of, like, complexity that, yeah, like, the hardcore people are going to just, like, you know, jerk off all over. <laughs> and then, but then, like, it's also, like, super appealing to look at and just kind of fun on all these base levels for people to like jump in on. I'd argue that it's actually even better than Smash Brothers at the set of signaling problems we've been discussing before. Like, yeah, in probably. Smash Brothers, you have to have 
a lot of familiarity with specific Nintendo properties, including some obscure Nintendo properties, to be able to have the kind of immediate prediction of what characters can do when they go through. Mm -hmm. And even if you do, that still doesn't give you all the information sometimes, because they often have to be selective among the potential things characters can do when picking a moveset for Smash Brothers. Like, uh, if, you, if you were just told me, and I didn't know any information already, that, like, Lucario was a character in Smash Brothers... I could not, with like reasonable certainty, give you the exact four moves that he has in that game. <laughs> yeah, like, like I probably wouldn't be able to say like, oh, he has a counter for some reason. <laughs> like right. he's a Pokemon. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 in Overwatch, they did a better job at that by designing original characters that were tropey enough that you can always mm -hmm. just fill in the gaps. Yeah. So, which I think is the natural place to go from there are what are your favorite heroes to play uh as alluded earlier in the cast on on pc and i do think this question is super variable between whether you're playing it on pc or console yeah this is true uh on pc uh after they made zenyatta not die instantly <laughs> to uh, people with sniper rifles to a Widowmaker body shot yes thanks uh i <laughs> fell into i had a deep committed romantic relationship with zenyatta uh you can't try to sneak the word romantic in there as if nobody would notice <laughs> of course um yeah i have always been generally when i'm playing shooters and by my standards, even a shooter like on, on like Overwatch is fast. I like to be in a circumstance where I can have as much time as possible to react and plan out the sort of things that I'll be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and Zenyatta's a slow guy who is far away, wants to see everything going on from a distance, and then make selective decisions to try and influence the outcome of engagements. Right. It was like they made a guy who can heal, sort of chittily, but he can still heal. Uh, that allows you to still take an active role without constantly putting yourself in like a threatening position. And that was a really weird departure for me because uh, most of the other competitive shooters that I'd played, uh, I liked playing classes that had a super high risk-reward ratio. But once I got into the competitive shooter space uh, with where time to kills are so much quicker than yeah. lots of the other games that I was playing, like, they went past the area that I was comfortable with. Like, I, I no longer had fun if I could just die instantaneously if I made a mistake. I like <laughs> high-risk-reward, as discussed in other, like, podcasts we've done, like Dark Souls, but shooters reach a point where it just becomes beyond my, like, physical ability that I want to oh, be able yeah, to yeah. react that fast. I don't want to have to train myself to have fun <laughs> in the game. Yeah, that's, that's actually, that's the thing that um, kind of... Uh, put me in the place that I'm in just to confirm when uh, on console you enjoy playing Symmetra I, yeah I, I enjoy playing Symmetra on console and some other things other things that let me take advantage of other people being bad at aiming console is like my jank space yeah, yeah like, I'll be like oh I get to play Sombra now <laughs> that sounds impossible actually I don't think I've, I've only played Sombra like once on console and it was uh, it, it was Horrifying. Well, she's still not good, but everyone else is also worse, and your spread True. is huge. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Um, but yeah, that's the thing about the uh, sort of that play style it is when I was younger, I say that like I'm an old man. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite, but <laughs> when I was younger, I was very into like the idea of, of Twitch shooters, and now when I feel as though my mechanical aiming skill is probably at the highest that it 
has ever been is also the time when my reaction time is like slowly dwindling. <laughs> and so <laughs> my ability to play a hero like Tracer is hindered by the fact that I can't make those decisions and then act on them in the amount of time that you're allowed to without being like slaughtered. Um <laughs> uh, and so I have also sort of settled for a hero that sits in the back, and that is Anna. Yeah. Um, but I also just always play healers. I've always just wanted to play supports in games. <laughs> and I think it's generally because I want to feel like the most important person on the battlefield. Uh, <laughs> and you like, did when you were playing Anna in Season 2 and 3. You were exactly. Just, I was just descriptively correct. You were the most important person. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I want to be the character that everyone like will throw themselves in front of a bullet to save. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I, I learned Anna when she came out. And... Uh, have loved her ever since, and A+. Plus. And on console, I play Symmetra, because you don't have to aim. <laughs> Dude, oh yeah, and actually, I haven't described this yet. This is just sort of a, a tiny tangent, but don't have to aim was is part of the huge appeal opening in this game. Like, I went, when I first started playing the game, the first ten hours, I didn't aim a gun. I just played Mercy and Reinhardt. Yeah, Mer and Mercy, Reinhardt, Winston, Symmetra, all general, like, aim... Kind of at where you want to hit. Yeah, barely aim. Yeah. yeah. To go back to the initial topic of favorite characters, I'm actually curious why you pick 76 as the thing to play. Uh, well, it's just because like, I'm a total noob. So you need the noob tube. <laughs> oh, you yeah. need the noob tube. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so I gravitate towards DPS because then I feel the most useful that way. Mm. Uh, I... In terms of like how Soldier plays, I I really like that he has a healing ability, and that he has got like the rockets that do a lot of damage. Like he just pretty much like the middle of the road kind of character. Like he's efficient, and yeah. I like that because I'm not that good. <laughs> uh, but he's actually one of like my least favorite like characters from like a character. Yeah, that's that's uh, totally yeah, fair. Yeah, like yeah, your personality. Design. Yeah, design. Like, and Anna kind of came in and took that uh, because I actually do really like the design of Anna. Like, I think that everything that she does, it well, <laughs> Anna is like exactly the character that I would like. It is like she is the perfect character for me in a shooter. The fact that she has. She's a healer who can also deal damage and also the, the sleep dart. If that class existed in any game, that would be the class that I would play. And that is just, that just happened. And mechanically, I'm glad it's good. I love it. But, like, her design, I also think is incredibly strong. In, in terms of, like, the, she can't, like, the silhouette that she casts is both mechanically useful in that she has a very small hitbox. Uh, it crouches down naturally when she's aiming, and her regular crouch like puts her like basically in a prone position. Yeah, yeah. She turns into she always is like the natural hilarious grandma bend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, and, yeah, and then they've done so much to to give her like this personality where uh, that is both memes uh, <laughs> and also like has a respectable story to her. Yeah. Once again, obviously, though, not really the thing that sells me on it. But uh, prior to that, yeah, I played, like, Reaper, I played Mercy, and I played Roadhog. 
So, Shotguns and the Medic from Team Fortress were the characters that I played, and it was like, I didn't really care what Roadhog was like. I just liked that he had a cool hook that could pull people away from their team. And that was really it. And so I feel like that's kind of your 76 situation. And I I feel like if I could play on PC, I would like McCree. Mm -hmm. Because, like, uh, it's really hard to aim, like... For headshots on console. Yeah, that's something that is... And, and I mean, I've only uh, played on console because Blizzard won't release the game on Mac because yeah. they're dumb. They're apparently like looking into the possibility of porting the game to the fucking Switch, but they won't put it on Mac. <laughs> <laughs> like, what yeah, is wrong? In, in the year 2017. <laughs> um, yeah, a popular shooter doesn't exist on the second largest fucking computer platform. But anyway, uh, and I also feel the same way about Tracer. I think I would like playing her more on PC as well. Is but Tracer's a lot of fun. I did, she dies a little too easy, which is like the biggest drawback. She's the... Tw- I'm correct saying she's the twitchiest of the twitches. She's the, the twitchiest shooter. Like, if you are an old shooter player, the DPS heroes on the lighter side. So, like... Not Reaper, who's got, like, a huge, like, 250 health pool, comparatively, yeah, to yeah. Tracer's 150, and, like, Soldier who can heal himself. Everybody else in the DPS pool feels better if you're a, an old shooter player. Tracer is is very much the twitchiest character, and, like, Farah is super good if you just, like, did Quake for, like, 100 million years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I sh- I really should have gravitated toward far away earlier than I did, but I just never did because I did play a bunch of Quake. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was I was really young and I was terrible at it. But the like all of that early play, uh, like my projectile aim is so much better than my hit scan aim, and so far is just like naturally better for me than any other. Yeah, and I did play a bit of Lucio as well, and I enjoyed him. I I really don't like being able to do, like, no damage. Something that, like, I'd have to get used to, but, like, I thought he was fun to play as, as mm. well. Who did you like, not mechanically, but in terms of, like, presentation and design? I don't know. I feel like I could go off on a couple of different tangents with this. Um, I feel like Tracer was one that I gravitated towards early, but I think that might just be because she's featured so heavily. Because um, she's a really likable character. Um... And I've found that, like, I dislike almost all the male characters. Like, I think all the female characters pretty much are cool, but, like, I guess me and Blizzard have, like, a completely definition of what, like, a cool male character is. Because <laughs> they all seem, like, really lame. I do like Lucio. I think he's cool. And the robots that, count as men? Half. Half maybe. Men. Like, right. I believe, but, like, yeah, I, Blizzard I, has either continuously or alternatively, uh, confusingly referred to Bastion as a she. And I can't remember if it's like they always call Bastion she, or if they intentionally call Bastion she after they've called it a he before. So, like, they they move the pronouns around because it's a robot and they just feel like having a bit of fun with the community. Okay. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah, I see the source of your confusion. Zenyatta way more, like, evidently male. Yeah, I mean, like, most of them have really great aesthetic designs. Um, Yeah, like, the only ones that I feel like are kind of, like, misses are, like, 
like Torbjorn. It's just like a dwarf. <laughs> yeah, that comes from <laughs> the know, fact that they were like uh, the developer of WoW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually quite hilarious. If you, I read like the most recent comic, which uh, was sort of about like. Torbjorn like meeting Bastion, like them learning of each other's existence. Oh, uh, and because of it's a it's just like a cyberpunk future setting, mm. but it's not like just it's not dystopian. It's not to the extent where like everyone has fucking everyone who shoots guns and attacks people has cybernetic augmentation, but not all people have cybernetic augmentation. Right. So in the comic, you'll have like a press conference at, like, a corporation with, like, just normal fucking dudes in, like, CEO business suits and, like, black glasses that are, like, the personal guards protecting them. Right. And it was so hilariously jarring because, cause, like, they're having, like, <laughs> like, there's a robot who escaped. What are we going to do about this? And it looks like a, like a comic that you would just get out of, like, Marvel. It's, like, modern-day setting. And you're like, I'll fix your problem. Intro, like, dwarf in huge armor. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. It, wait, in the comic where he's, like, addressing a boardroom full of people in suits, is he wearing, like, the no, red, uh, like... Yeah, yes, he is. He's oh, wearing... for fuck's sake. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. He's full armor. I like I don't want to offend any like huge Torbjorn fans out there. Mm-hmm. So I know that they exist and it took me a long time, but I actually think that Torbjorn's gun is probably like one of the most satisfying to use in the game. It has a nice sound. It's it's got a nice sound. The arc is really pleasing. It does tons of damage. Uh but Torbjorn is just a complete miss for me. <laughs> like, in terms of a hero. Like I don't like stationary defense. And I don't like dwarves. And so, like, I, <laughs> I like him. It just seems really weird. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I have a weird touchstone for this. Uh, like, a month ago, <laughs> I, no, it's, my touchstone is not going to be about hating dwarves, Andy. Okay. <laughs> Choke that down. But uh, I made uh, a quick backstory. Uh Wizards of the Coast does not release a whole lot of public statistics about Dungeons and Dragons. So Fair. whenever I have questions about community perceptions of classes in the game, normally it goes generally unanswered unless I can see them quoting their own secret statistics. So I made like a Google Docs like fucking question and answer thing and, and put it on Reddit and got like three thousand responses and was really ecstatic about it. Right. People's perceptions. Uh and the one, the one thing I remember that was the result of that is that in the classic, like, elves v. dwarves like, debate... <laughs> That's a classic debate? It is, uh, that this a, is a reason why I hate high fantasy. <laughs> I don't want to have the elves versus dwarves debate. <laughs> I would rather eat nails. It's not like... It's not like... People don't, like, get on chat rooms and, like, yell about it. It's like... It's more like, I like dwarves, I like elves, and then people, like, just... <laughs> I like things. And they hold hands and have a picnic. No, like, it's, it's, uh, it's more like the, like, pirates versus ninjas thing, where people oh, just had camps, it's and so we're just it's, like... It's stupid. <laughs> God yeah. damn it. Whatever. The point is, is that what I found out about that is that less people like dwarves... But the people who do like dwarves <laughs> like them a lot. Like way more into it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this actually tracks really well with like what I've seen in Overwatch. Like, yep. Not a whole lot of people like Torbjorn, but the people who like Torbjorn love, love Torbjorn. 
<laughs> so there's like a there's a vein in the rock wall that is Overwatch, I imagine, yeah. of like dwarf lovers. <laughs> the one thing that I really want to see, speaking of statistics and uh, Torbjorn, strangely, okay, uh, is I want to see the statistics on how many people or like which gold weapons have been purchased more than any. Interesting. Because yeah. I feel as though Reinhardt's hammer it has to be like number one. And then it's Torbjorn's hammer. <laughs> because I think people just... Like, every Torbjorn I've seen after hitting level, like, 200 has had his gold weapon. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? Why? And, like, what? <laughs> you only play this character, don't you? That is probably true. Yeah. But, <sighs> to that. I also really like uh, Junkrat's design. And I also, like... I feel like... I don't know if they intended it, but it feels like him and, like, Roadhog kind of, like... Oh, they are buddies. ...go together as, like, a set. Yeah, they're yeah. canon buddies. They're, yeah, they're canon... They're, Roadhog is Junkrat's bodyguard, specifically. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Junkrat, I think, is an amazing design. Or at least I did think that until I realized that his design is just the uh, Bruce Timm Batman animated series version of the Joker. Like, is yeah. just Junkrat? Like, <laughs> he does act like that. It's really good, though. Like, he has some he of the best like voice lines. He's a scrawny goblin man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a scrawny goblin man who laughs constantly. And he has, like, a... Does he have, like, a peg leg? He has a peg He's leg, a yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Everyone on... We just discussed this. Everybody has cybernetic enhancement. <laughs> he just has, he a, has wooden a wooden peg leg. <laughs> Jun yeah, Junkrat is. He didn't have enough money for a cypher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like supposed to be a master criminal, but I think that might be a little bit overblown. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like. Also, I know a weird amount about Junkrat. Is what I'm coming. This is, is true. To terms with right now. He's like the Joker without any class at all. Yeah, yeah. zero class Joker. Yeah, Junkrat also is a is a character that I found a lot of people gravitated toward early when they started playing, because they were like. He's entertaining, like, and he just fires cool bombs. He does lots of damage. Uh, but it took me forever, but I love playing Junkrat now. Like, I genuinely don't think he's super good. Mm -hmm. So much fun to play. Like, everything about his kit is just super entertaining. And I think that's something that, like, that is, like, the true mechanical strength in, in getting a lot of people to play and enjoy your game is that so many people, not only, like kind of what we've been hitting on, not only aesthetically you can get drawn to a character, but mechanically as well. Yeah, absolutely. And part of their, you know, goal in having this many heroes in a game with this few modes, comparatively speaking, to other shooters, is to try and give someone like every possible mechanical avenue that they would ever want to explore. It mentioned before to the extent where you don't have to shoot things. You can have variety and not shoot things in this shooter. I, it was truly wonderful. There's something, and you've, you've uh, already heard me say probably a couple of these things uh, during this podcast that are not explicitly written into the text of Overwatch, mm -hmm. but I find it really strange that... Overwatch is, is an FPS that <laughs> uses and has brought in and the community has adopted tons and tons of MMO and RTS terminology that sort of just got, like, assimilated 
by the game because of the way that it was designed. I'm unfamiliar with RTS terminology in general. So, like, what sort of stuff are you referring to? Well, when it comes to RTS terminology, it's it's a lot of things that are tied into the MMO side of things, things like DPS and whatever. Yeah. And obviously, like, a diva talking about APM. Yeah, oh yeah. Is like, but nobody would probably. But that's fucking diva. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to listen to the words she speaks. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. I, I hate diva. I hate diva. You play diva half the time that you play this game. I know. I know. I. There are. Is this? So I'm getting off into a, a short tangent, but most of the time, especially in Blizzard projects, they're looking to iterate on other people's initial attempts at designs to make them cooler and more polished. Yep. Mo- the vast majority of things done in Overwatch have been done in other games before. But D.Va is one of the few things in this game that is a mechanical design of like a play style that feels completely re- original to me, and I was always interested in that, but p- put it off because I hate Diva the person so much. <laughs> Diva is just like fan service, the character. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, yeah, like I sexy actually... gamer girl in complete like, like skin tight clothing, yeah, skin tight bodysuit. References APM. <laughs> <laughs> you can also get a Diva like voice pack to replace your announcer in StarCraft 2. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Just so good. Validates the amount of time that you spend playing video games by her existence. <laughs> yep. Well, that's, that's another thing that I wanted to get into, um, but probably can start and end with this statement. Blizzard doesn't want you to play any games that Blizzard didn't make. <laughs> yep. Blizzard's entire business model is getting you to play their game and then never stop playing it. And if you stop playing it, they want you to go play a different one of their games. <laughs> so, and fortunately, I've never been caught up in this. I played WoW for about three months. Yeah. Uh, I played Diablo 2 in, like, you know, 2000-whatever. Yeah, when people played Diablo, Diablo 2. <laughs> and uh, I did one casual console playthrough of D3, and I started playing Overwatch. That was, like, years apart for each of those things. Except for WoW and Overwatch, like, one year or something. Yeah. Uh, but they're, like, WoW and its subscription service and its uh, 90% of the population of planet Earth user base, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the people who are playing Overwatch now, uh, between, like, constant updates and loot drops and all of that good shit, they just, like, want to rein people in. Uh, th- that, like cross-promotion where they're like, in, oh, in Overwatch, in order to get a Genji skin, you had to go play Heroes of the Storm? I can't play a MOBA. I sure installed it thinking <laughs> I might go do that to get the Genji skin, <laughs> but then I realized I didn't play Genji either, so I uninstalled it. <laughs> Every single console version of the game and some percentage of the PC version, too, came with like just little fucking trinkets that you get on all of their other games. In other games, none of which I've cashed in at all. So, oh yeah, did I ever actually talk about what why Diva is cool? Uh, we talked about why she's not cool. Oh, no, not the person. <laughs> Jesus Christ, not the person. But uh, no, there's probably no way to do it. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. Well, the thing that I was talking about was that uh, the, the the terminology. Because what, what oh what, yeah, what spun ahead. off into that whole conversation was the fact that Blizzard only wants you to play biz- Blizzard yeah, games. Yeah, because you had the terminology stuff. Yeah, because the ter- the terminology uh, that, that's used in in Overwatch, especially among the community, is 
terminology that I didn't really ever hear outside of the context of, of WoW, ever. So, depending on who you ask, um, if you ask Blizzard, the game has four uh, classes of characters. You have offense, defense, tanks, and supports. If you ask a like competitive player... Uh, they would say that there are three types of characters. There's DPS, tanks, and supports, because the offense and defense kind of merge together at some point to create just, like, a damage roll. But, like, that concept in itself, like, the idea of a DPS, a tank, and a healer, is the... That is a dungeon raid party in WoW. And that is... The idea of DPS in itself is a term that came into existence through MMOs, because it was a measurement of how much damage your character could do each second, damage per second DPS. And everyone, literally everyone listening to this knows this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The most unnecessary explanation of all time. (laughs) But we use that term in regards to Overwatch to just refer to someone who is a damage dealer. And I have to assume that that is because of the fact that Blizzard makes WoW. The people who were playing WoW transferred over to this new <laughs> Blizzard game, and just the terminology came with it. I've heard Reinhardt's hammer ref- be referred to as cleave damage. I know what? Like cleave damage, which is the thing in WoW, and in <laughs> I, I believe in RTSs as well. Uh, referring to a thing that hits, like, a swath of enemies at once. Oh. So, like, one swing from Reinhardt's hammer and, like, Winston's, like, Tesla cannon yeah. is a is a cleave weapon because it can hit multiple people at once. Jesus. Okay. What, a, like... And I never heard that term before. And then somebody just used it. I understood what it meant because it's a good... That is a good term. In terms of video game terminology, cleave is not bad. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> But, good God, I had to, like, look it up and see where it came from. And that's just so interesting to me that, like, even Blizzard has brought in design sensibility to its new game from its older games, but also its own, like, language. Uh, like, the Blizzard ease <laughs> that you use when you talk about Blizzard games. And it's just so crazy to me. They'll be... Just sort of breaks that down slightly, uh, because it's the only other Blizzard game that I've ever played within memory for any significant period of time, and not just like dicking around with people's computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, was I played like Hearthstone for like a month back when yeah. I, I, I could I were playing Magic like every day, and I was like, I wonder what how they how Blizzard decided to iterate on trading card games. Uh, I eventually quit for reasons that are irrelevant to an Overwatch podcast. But uh, in that case, <laughs> much like a ten-minute discussion about World of Warcraft, <laughs> correct? <laughs> Just like that. But um, yeah. In that case, you know, have playing a card game is so different. You can't like the terminology can't. Breach over there. Yeah, there's no bridge. Yeah, all they did was just put the faces of WoW people on the cards, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm generally even though I have that one connection, they've I guess partially successfully allowed me to make. I I can't say I'm part of like the Blizzard hive mind either. Yeah, well, it's it, it. That was the thing is I always kind of viewed myself as being like outside of that, and I still am to some extent because I have friends on on Battle.net who quit playing Overwatch with me. And then load into 
World of Warcraft to do their dailies or whatever. And, like, their hooks are in a lot of people, and I'm still not quite there. But it was... It was, like, a moment. It was, like, the... It wasn't quite as dramatic, but it was, like, Neo waking up in, the in like, the, <laughs> the human pod. <laughs> and <laughs> where I, like... I was, like, wait a minute. All I do all day is play Blizzard games. <laughs> And think and talk about Blizzard games. <laughs> like I even got like for a while, like I would still be in Discord and I would talk about WoW with the person who was playing WoW, even though I wasn't playing WoW. And I was like, I've been assimilated. Like <laughs> I know what the Zerg are. <laughs> Did you have a thing? Oh yeah, a tiny thing related to sort of mechanics discussion earlier. Mm-hmm. We talked about characters that we liked, but I wanted to know if you thought that there was anything, in the same way that I think that, like, D.Va is an interesting mechanical iteration on shooters, and specifically class-based shooters, I wanted to know if you thought anything in this game was unique enough to be worthy of being called out as, like, this is Blizzard going off and, you know, blazing their own trail and doing a good job at it. Okay. I see where you're coming from with with D.Va. I feel like D.Va's a a character who evolved with the game as well. Because, as you're aware, her defense matrix originally was just a four-second shield that was just up yeah. on a ten-second cooldown, and it was pretty bad. Like, it, didn't, it did all the things that it does now, but you just it didn't have as many use. It wasn't as dexterous, as they say. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that the defense matrix really defines her character um, in terms of like how she's played as a tank. And I think that the defense matrix was really defined by the update that changed it. Sure. Um, so I think the D.Va gets the... Because like, D.Va was a regular mobile tank in the game before the update. This is, I guess, part of the risk. Um, with all things in Overwatch, there's so many mechanics that they're drawing from that there's a chance I could just be ignorant of the iteration or another point. Right. Like, I see lots of people talking about Roadhog being, like, a thing that Blizzard came up with, and that's not true at all. I don't know who originally came up with that concept, but me, being Super Monday Night Combat guy, knows that there was the veteran, a guy, a character who was a luchador, explicitly based around grabbing people from huge distances and pulling them in. I said, I, I thought I had heard that that was, like, a character in Dota that could do that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a guy called Pudge. Uh, who is literally... It looks like Roadhog. It's like if they took Roadhog's mask off and he had, like, a disgusting potato face, <laughs> that he would just be Pudge. Okay. And Pudge has a chain hook, and, like, it's, it's like, the same concept, except Pudge doesn't have a shotgun, as far as I know. Um... So then, on that iteration... I'm just really amused by the fact that they chose a luchador to, like, to illustrate this concept. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What it was, was he was a fat luchador, (laughs) and he had his... Again, because Super Mario Dunn is fucking weird, but it's sort of like a... If Overwatch was comedy, it would be the tone they're trying to strike in that game. Uh, (laughs) But he has, on one hand, like, uh, a eagle head made of light that would like rush out and like grab people with eagle talons and pull them in or like fire eagle heads that like seek you out and the other hand was like a stool with spikes on it and it was like the chair oh right and okay. like, giving See, people the chair and, that like, makes more <laughs> sense than the eagle thing because like the concept okay the hook is an eagle thing pretty obvious yeah. right yeah. like hook makes sense yeah a lasso that they, works. They, um, the Mexican flag has an eagle on it. Yeah. Right, right, right. But it does not represent, like, an eagle. 
does not get, like pull things toward another thing. An no. eagle's claw does. An eagle's, An eagle's claw, eagle's claw goes picks down. a thing up. That's exactly, yeah, that's what you're doing. You're picking a guy off the ground, and you're pulling him to you. I'm just saying, the, eagle does. the logical leap between, I like, I need to get that guy here is a lot bigger from, I'll use a chain with a hook on the end of it, than I will <laughs> use an eagle made of light. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point of fair, going for. Fair. They did a good job signaling it. You'd like throw it out and make a hilarious <laughs> eagle screech, and it was great. Yeah. You'd know to get out of the way when you heard like, ah! right. like the, the claw was coming. <laughs> but yeah, both of those games that we discussed, though, both Dota and in and Super Mario Night Combat, are effectively MOBA games. Yeah, yeah. And even I like that Super Mario Night Combat exists for a lot of reasons. One, because it was a cool, interesting game, but also because it was also this like. MOBA shooter yeah. that like Blizzard was like heavy on the shooter light on the MOBA whereas it was heavy on the MOBA light on the shooter with Super Mario Night Combat right. but that game even already existed Yeah, and Overwatch is just the iteration on that but the point that I brought up with these sort of character like with Blizzard stealing characters what is mobile tank? you said that like it's a thing that's in tons of games well my experience what I'm referring to specifically are things in uh, in World of Warcraft but also exist in other uh, MMOs that I've played, which is like one. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's just like the idea that you can put your bulk somewhere it's needed quickly. And D.Va, with the new defense matrix, plays this like crazy triage disruptor guy who flies to somebody who's about to get obliterated and eats the thing that ob that would have obliterated them or like jumps up and like knocks a widowmaker off of the high ground because her boosters can knock people back yeah and she can eat any projectile in the game and she has like a unlimited wall of bullets and it's just this like crazy like combination of things that make her a unique character now whereas before it was kind of like uh, that thing needs blocked and so Diva was just like sa a sandbag with a rocket attached to it yeah. essentially to be fair I don't think their intent for what the defense magic was supposed to do ever changed just like we discussed earlier with balance changes I think they always had something vague in mind that they wanted Diva to be doing and they just and they made the mechanical change to give you more flexibility to sort of switch on the fly. She was so defined always by like speed and movement right. that they sort of upped the speed at which that ability operates as well. It was nice. But yeah. As far as like unique ideas though, I mean there really isn't a ton in, in there. Like as we've been discussing. Like May comes to mind as somebody who's fairly unique. The idea of like a slow isn't like a unique idea. But it, when you wall. break things down to to that level of granularity, it doesn't yeah. even really make much of a difference. Yeah. The wall isn't even unique. Uh, like, there is in Halo, you could, like, throw a barrier in front of you. Oh, I, I in fact, remember It that. looks suspiciously, like, to the point where, in my mind, I occasionally picture Ariza's barrier as the mobile barrier from Halo 3. Reach, I think. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say Reach. It was an, it was in a, it was one of the armor abilities which I think got introduced in Reach. Yeah. So I, I want to say that it was that. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the things they did are are pretty pretty similar to other things. So then, if that's the case, switching gears here, I actually still have sort of an, an open question 
related to your perceptions of this, Andy. Because uh-huh. we've discussed often how they made most of their decisions around the idea of trying to cast the net as wide as possible, which is something a little bit different, I think, it's fair to say, than a lot, than most other Blizzard games historically before Overwatch. I was curious, like, to what extent it grabbed you, uh, if any, and, like, I, I still don't have a sense whether or not you actually enjoyed your time with Overwatch as someone who just is meh about shooters. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I wouldn't say it hooked me at all. Like, if I didn't have you guys to play it with, I probably wouldn't play it at all. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it, I'd say, less than Splatoon, but a comparable amount. Like, I, I would want to keep playing it. Right. Okay. I will inevitably so, yeah, continue. They managed it. to make a shooter that I enjoy, like an uh, online-only multiplayer competitive shooter that I actually like, which is a huge feat. Yeah, like, <laughs> that is, uh, like, the highest echelon of... of you are there's a almost zero percent chance that Andy will like your game. <laughs> Overwatch, like, I'll take that challenge. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I guess they could have made like, if somebody comes up with like a real time strategy game that Andy just adores, <laughs> that would be the holy grail of design. But unfortunately, probably won't happen. Uh, it's all the more interesting considering that they were trying to, you know grab a hold of these wide nets through different existing mechanics and not through like true new unique mechanics like Splatoon did. Splatoon was looking to like completely redraw how you interact with shooters around a mechanic. Overwatch just goes, nah, instead of making the best mechanic, let's make every mechanic and then you just pick your favorite. Yeah. Like Splatoon is like the only shooter that like I would pick up and just play by myself for hours. Right. See that's the the trick though in like we're we're approaching the advent of Splatoon two mm-hmm. as we're discussing this so it, it's obviously something that's been on my mind but Splatoon chose its design for a totally different reason than than the MOBA inspired design of of Overwatch because Overwatch is about player interaction and the not with each other because as we found out through playing Overwatch for uh, 600 hours, 700 hours, uh, everyone hates everyone else. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, the idea is the idea between character interplay, whereas Splatoon was about understanding area control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it allowed you to play with any amount, like any mixture of, you know, weapons and, and mechanics that you wanted on your character, but c- you can't balance a thousand different heroes with, like, a unique, weird mechanic like that. Like, if you have a bunch of different characters and the idea is to, like, outplay and counter your opponent, then you can't also be worried that, like, the walls are bouncy, like it's a pinball machine. You're like, some insane other mechanic like yeah. is not just going to fit. It's easier to just give them ground to walk on and guns to shoot and just say, like, this character can also fly and this guy can build a teleporter. Nope. The one other thing I don't even know if we want to get into <laughs> is I had, I had two notes and I think we can, we can combine them because we've covered pretty much everything else, is the idea of uh, competition in this game, 
and it's like ranked system yeah. and how much everyone hates everybody else constantly uh, and how it seems impossible to solve this problem I I do think it's impossible to solve this problem I think the the thing that Overwatch tried to do that I, to my knowledge is unique to Overwatch is they try their damnedest to mask the ways that you are bad <laughs> from yourself and other people. Yeah. They hide how much you suck at specific things as well as they possibly can. That's true. This is actually... Yeah, now that we say, this is definitely not getting cut because I forgot about that and yeah, how yeah. good that is. This game, like, recognizes people for doing good, cool things and does not shine the lights on the parts of their game that were lacking. This game has never contained a scoreboard that you could look at and say, like, oh, like, this guy has a 22 to 4 KD. Right. Yeah, and even, like, you don't really even know how many, like, kills you've gotten over the course of a game. Because, because a fanfare fucking plays and goes, like, Bleh! 20 eliminations. And you're like, I killed 20 people. It's like, well... Not really. You did damage to 20 people who died eventually. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Another great decision on their part, at least I think, is that they, they stopped making last hit a thing that ever really matters yeah. as, as parts of kills. And the, I mean, they made it a little bit more, like, noticeable with the new kill feed changes where you can see, like, if a kill was a headshot or, like, if they use an ability mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. Um which is how I found out that Anna Sleep Dart deals, deals five damage. Because I've <laughs> killed someone with it before. I always found on the kill cam that, like, the person who actually killed me is not the person I thought killed me. Yeah. yeah. That happens all the time. Team-based game. So mm -hmm. it turns out when you die, it is not because you're, like, off on your own running away, trying to, like, 1v1 someone in a classic stupid internet style. Right. It's just because you put yourself into a position where a lot of people could shoot you and a lot yep. of people weren't helping you. Yeah. There's, uh, kill games, like, are something that just became more evident to me over time how important they were. Mm -hmm. Because it really... That is, like, the feedback that you need. Mm -hmm. It's like, what did I do wrong here? And it's like you watch on the other person's screen and you just, like, blundered out of cover into the <laughs> open. And you're like, I think I figured out what I did wrong there. Yeah, And it also gives you, like, a window into, like, what all the other characters are capable of. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah very early in the game you're like, oh, that guy has this ability to right. do this thing. Right. Back when I was only playing Reaper, that was a big, that was a big thing. Super helpful. Yeah, that was a wasn't that a, a tangent? Well, the the it was sort of a tangent. It was also a discussion on because uh, we were talking about how everyone because they they try to mitigate telling oh. other people that you are bad because you've attempted to mitigate the issue of hating uh, the human race by <laughs> turning off team chat. Oh yeah, entirely. Yeah. yeah, I feel like only having like group chat is like the way to go. Where like mm. you're only in a chat with your friends, and that's the only option. That seems like the best way. <laughs> it's the best way to mitigate people yelling at you yeah. for sure. Th this is the issue because they. I feel like they've really done the best that they could here because at the highest level of play, everyone who like understands the game is not getting angry at other people on their team because they're not being matched with people who are like trash 
because they have a functioning matchmaking system. Yeah. So they're just matching you with people who are of relatively equal skill to you. And so they're fine. And if you're just playing casually, turn the turn the chat off, just chat with your friends, everything's fine. Yeah. Not a problem. Solved. It's this middle area where I have to assume that like probably between 30 and 50% of the player base exists, where they regularly play competitive, and in order to do better, have to have team chat on. And if you have team chat on, there's a chance that one of the six people on your team is an asshole, or is going to, like, just ruin somebody's life by yelling at them. Like, be really annoying. Be super annoying. Like, use like racial slurs in regular conversation, like they've been doing it their entire life, and somehow nobody's called them out on it. All of this garbage just exists in the world, and there's a good chance it's going to be in your ears if you're playing an online multiplayer game. Yeah, and it's just really lame. It just. Also, weirdly, one of the reasons I am now gravitating toward playing on console more. Because uh, <laughs> they don't have the, the typed chat either. That's true. Yeah. So nobody can be like, hey, switch off Symmetra, please? Yeah. yeah like, exactly. Nope, just going to keep playing nope, Symmetra. Just going to be as happy as I want to be doing exactly what I want to do with this $60 video game I bought. Yeah. Which is what everyone thinks, which is why everyone hates everyone else, but it's also why I'm in quick play. Yeah. that's See, that's really the thing. Is like I actually I kind of hesitated to bring this point up at all, mm-hmm. because particularly with, with Andy, a little bit with you, but I think that you've had a little bit more exposure. Because you guys have heard me yell about a guy on my team. Oh, yeah, constantly. Yeah. But to you, yeah. not to that guy. You've probably never seen me go in chat on PC and be like, switch off Hanzo, you fucking scrub, I hate you. Mm-hmm. And then, like, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. Like, that's, I've seen that so many times. I've seen way worse than that. And people, like, relentlessly berating people. And the, the trick is, don't. <laughs> Uh, what a trick, yeah. I know, it's one simple trick to make it so that you're not the scum of the earth while playing a video game. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Just don't do it. Because that's, that's that is my level of self-restraint. Because I have no self-restraint when I'm talking to you guys on Discord, because I don't care if you know that I'm angry at a guy. You don't talk to Andy on Discord. That's true, I don't. On PS4 Play Chat... On the, play- <laughs> on the PlayStation Eye toy. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Uh, next time, we have abandoned ship on our previous ideas, uh, and <laughs> all of our lives have been entirely consumed uh, by The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Let's <laughs> of Breath of the Wild is the game that we're going to be talking about in two weeks. Until then, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can do so at noclippodcast.com. You can find our email address, our Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, some, probably some other shit. I don't know. Anyway, I'll see you guys uh, later. Have fun with your links and your stuff. Play more Overwatch. Did you hear that they're adding Link as a playable character to Overwatch? <laughs> The Doom Link. That <laughs> sounds like an Xbox peripheral. <laughs>
Breath of the Wild does it a whole lot, and I'm sure we'll discuss it when we get to that episode. But uh, next week on No Clue Podcast, I <laughs> two weeks from ne- fuck, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks from fuck, <laughs> week from fuck's day. 